What's up? And welcome to Clarity for Parents of Athletes, bringing you stories from professional athletes about their parents and how they were raised. My name is Gabe Nocere from aclearmind.com. All right, welcome to episode number 19. Now, before I talk about our next guest, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and also ask that you rate, review, and share the podcast as well as subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes and that parents and, of course, their children can benefit from these stories of all these incredible athletes. And so you know, I do workshops with teams and also parents and do individual work as well. I actually just did a workshop yesterday with our local professional soccer team here in Albuquerque, New Mexico United, and they were really zoned in on what we were discussing. It was, it was really a lot of fun to work with professional athletes in the manner that I did yesterday. A couple of weeks ago, I did another workshop with the Cibola Girls High School team here in Albuquerque, and they were really a fun group to work with and really grasp the philosophy behind the work as well. It was pretty awesome. Oh, and they also went on to win the Metro Championship a week after our workshop. So congrats to them and also good luck to them for the rest of their season and also to New Mexico United for the rest of their season as well. If you want to know more about what I do and how to schedule, go to my website, aclearmind.com. Okay, so the guest for this episode is Paige Tons, who I met through a group on Facebook. I saw a post from her that said she gets a lot of questions from parents about podcasts to listen to regarding youth and sports. And I, of course, responded to her about clarity for parents of athletes. And she was not only thankful, she asked if she could be a guest on an episode. And of course, I said yes. Uh, Paige played college softball at Northwestern University and is now helping young female athletes with the mental side of their game, which was something that Paige struggled with for a lot of her youth career. And in the episode, she talks about how to deal with expectations from parents and also how she helps the athletes that she's worked with maneuver through their relationships with their parents. My takeaways from this interview are at the end of this episode, so please keep listening so that you can hear me tie everything together and dig a bit deeper into what Paige said and how it can help you and your child, of course. All right, enjoy. Awesome. So Paige Tons, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So you're the first softball player that I interviewed or that I'm interviewing, and you know, I'm... I'm interested in delving into that sport. Everything else I've done has been a sport that I've watched a lot and played. I've, I've watched a little bit of softball. Uh, back in high school, I went and watched my friends, but it's not something that I I watch on TV too much unless it's on at the gym or something. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to hearing about your career and the path that you took from as far back as you can go. But I also want to get to know you personally. So I want to, if you're comfortable with it, get to know a little bit about you as far as your family life and your family makeup and where you grew up, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in sunny Phoenix, Arizona, suburb of Phoenix. Um, I was actually born in Tucson and then uh, grew up in the Phoenix area. Um, From what I remember, athletics 
an athlete, like being an athlete has always just been a part of my life. I think it's because my, my dad uh, grew up that way as well. And uh, my grandfather played uh, collegiate football and then um, had some opportunities to play in the NFL back in the day. Um, so sports has just always been a really big part of my life. Um, I started playing club softball from when I was 10 all the way up until college and then um, played softball in college as well. Um, a little bit more about my family. I have two younger brothers um, who were also in athletics. My youngest brother ended up playing college football. So lots of sports for us as a family. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in, I'm 27 now. And yeah, I think that kind of covers um, most of the family and growing up kind of business. Mm -hmm. So your your dad played sports as well growing up and your grandfather, where did he play uh, college football, by the way? He played at the University of Arizona at okay. U of A. And your brother? My brother just finished up at University of Colorado in mm, Boulder. Boulder. So definitely a, a fun place to go visit and watch football games. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a nice area. So yeah. it was seems like it was just normal for you guys to participate in sports. Yeah, it was. It just kind of was the normalcy. I mean, I grew up, I played we were on swimming, we played basketball, I played volleyball, the, my brothers played hockey, I played, not a lot of soccer, but no. I guess because my dad never played soccer, so I guess mm. we didn't do that. Baseball, softball, like everything and anything, we were, felt like we were a part of it. Mm -hmm. So how did you end up choosing softball? Or did you choose softball? Um... I did. I think I, it was. I think it was my choice. I mean, I was probably like seven or eight when, when I really started getting into softball. I I just remember I was in like a kind of like a city league. Uh, it's called Arizona Girls Softball. Um, just like a kind of a rec league, and I played one year in that, or a couple years um, in the rec leagues, and then after one of the seasons, um, a dad and coach was like. At, approached me and my my parents and asked if uh, I wanted to play at a more competitive level in the club and travel world um and I liked playing softball I actually have kind of a funny story about I started catching pretty young I was a catcher and I chose catching because I would get out there on the field especially when we were little and didn't get a lot of a whole lot of action out on the field on defense and i was like you know what i'm really tired of never getting the ball so i was like i'm gonna be the catcher so i get the ball every time and that's kind of where that started but uh yeah I, I just started playing club when i was 10 and we just really fell in love with it and uh and it just kind of became my thing um i i loved playing the sport i loved the challenge and it's funny because when I think back about it now, I'm like, why did I choose softball? Or like, because most people say, you know, softball and baseball is one of the most mentally like tough game. And it's a game of failure. Like, man, why did I pick the game of <laughs> failure? But I just kind of fell in love with it and uh, had a lot of fun. And, and then I just kind of kept going. Nice. You know, yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that because yeah, in baseball and, and softball, it's a it's typically good if you hit the ball a third of the time that 
you're up at the plate. So, you know, alongside with that, like you said, there's a lot of opportunity to get in your own head and to create this failure that you're, you're talking about now with your dad being a football player, how did he, what was his relationship like with you on the softball field or, and what was his involvement like? Yeah. So, uh, my dad played a lot of sports and so I would say, you know, that parent, uh, to like daughter parent to athlete relationship can be tricky because I've, from my experience growing up, I totally and completely understand that the parent or like my dad just wanted, he knew what I was capable of. He, you know, he did have high expectations of me and I had high expectations of myself and, um, and just, he knew he wanted the best for me. So yeah, he was a little hard on me. Sometimes it was a struggle and I didn't understand it when I was a kid, um, or like a teenager growing up. And it, 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 you know, it had its ups and downs. It was a roller coaster. But if I, I feel like if I didn't have that experience of him being really tough on me or really hard on me, I wouldn't have, have been at the level of that, that college level and been able to play at that highest level if it wasn't for him being pretty tough on me. But there's also, you know, some things where I'm like, man, I wish, I, I think maybe I would have been a little more positive or been able to overcome failures a little faster if our conversations were a little bit different. And it's, it's interesting because I just actually um, posted on my Facebook and Instagram about uh, it's titled how to talk to your daughter after a bad day because I just remember countless uh, car rides after a tournament or after a game where maybe it didn't go so well with that bad day and it would just be like emotional girl teenage tears just like flowing from from my face and my dad didn't really help that sometimes um, and he was, he was tough on me, but I think it made me tougher, but it also made me realize that, uh, there, there are different ways to have that conversation after those bad days or have that relationship and figure out what works for like the parent, parent athlete relationship. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that in a nutshell. Yeah. There's, you know, parents, and I said this in the very first episode that I recorded, parents are always trying to do their best. And especially they do their best for what they're equipped with in that moment in time. And that's not to say that it's the most functional or most helpful method. <laughs> um, and I could imagine, you know, that your dad came from a generation where there's a lot of, of ego and push. In a sport, there's a ton of ego and a drive to be hard and to almost it's like a boot camp style sport all the time. I imagine I didn't play football, but mm-hmm. that's kind of the mentality that I imagine and just what I see and hear coaches speaking like on uh, on TV and in documentaries. You know, they have to drive so much. Mm-hmm. It's definitely that like kind of like that tough love. Mm-hmm. And then like figuring out, you know, where that boundary of tough and love is because <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes I just needed some love um mm-hmm. especially because uh my personality and like the way my the way that I was as an athlete was I was re- I was really hard on myself I was 
I already had extremely high expectations. I was the firstborn. I'm the oldest sister. Like I was the rule. I'm the rule follower. So me not succeeding was really hard for me. I could like I just couldn't accept failure mm-hmm. for a long time. Um, and yeah, it, it's just that tough love. And once I actually um, got into college and a little bit later in my high school career, um, thing I think that he started to figure that out. He started to realize that and he did take a step back. And I think he, um, and it's when, you know, he's not coaching either because for a while he was always helping or coaching a little bit here and there. But in the later, when I was, you know, 17, 18, and all the way up until 22, he just, he, he stepped back and he watched and, and just supported me the best that I could. Cause I think he could finally see like, wait, she's already hard on herself. Like, I don't need to, I don't need to add to that. Mm-hmm. And, um, just kind of really actually got to just soak up and enjoy, you know, my experience playing at the collegiate level and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So and it, I, was, it, it took time though. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That, that parents learn and, and, you know, I have along with my six-year-old son, I have a 19-year-old daughter who is, I, I call her my daughter. She's my legally my stepdaughter. Um, so I, I met her when she was seven and I definitely learned so much from parenting her, not just as an athlete, but just as a parent that I think has benefited my, my son. And I'm sure that your dad experienced the same thing to where it helped since you were the oldest, it helped your two younger brothers as well. Yeah. So what, how did you feel your dad parented you versus your brothers, both as a female versus male, but also in a sport that he played in as well with your, with your brothers? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, my, uh, my youngest brother was um, more into the sports. My other one didn't end up playing um, at higher levels. Um, but the one that did end up playing in uh, college football, I think it was, it was really, I think their relationship was really different and football and softball are so different. Um, where, you know, you football is just, you know, one game a week and softball is like, you know, five, six games a week and a lot more, mm-hmm. a lot more, uh, a lot more like, you know, game action. So I think that that dynamic changed a little bit. I think that my brother, my youngest brother playing football definitely felt the pressure. He's like total opposite of me, um, way more laid back. I wouldn't say he wasn't as driven as me, but just different kinds of personalities because obviously you got to be somewhat driven to get to that college level of football. Um, but I think that he he definitely felt the pressures because my my dad did want him to play at the next level and it's like those expectations and like navigating those expectations from your parents and which I'm sure like every son or daughter has whether they're athletes or not but you know these our parents have these expectations and it's like if we don't live up to these expectations we're a failure and it, it's just like a really difficult thing to navigate and and figure out especially when you're you're, you know, 16, 17, 18, trying to figure out who you are still as a person. Um, So I think that it wasn't as much um, 
like hard conversations between the two of them or like I know my I mean my dad was like well why didn't you get a hit or why did why did you swing at this kind of thing I don't think it was as much that for him but it was those those high expectations um where he felt like he couldn't let uh, my parents down mm-hmm. or anyone down really like our, our family or whoever that you know we make these expectations up in our heads sometimes so um I think I think that those expectations can hold a lot of pressure for kids and and uh, athletes growing up Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and sometimes these expectations aren't even verbalized. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just the, the child feeling that sense of expectation. So yes. were your expectations from your, your dad, and I, I don't know your mom's role as well in, in your journey as an athlete, but were these expectations verbalized for you guys? Or was it something nonverbal that you felt from from your dad? Um, I think it was more nonverbal. It was just something that I felt, but it's also, it was like half expectations from my dad and not my mom was super low key. So it was, it was a lot my dad because he played and I think he wanted us to have that experience of playing at um, higher levels. So it was kind of like a nonverbal thing, but I also think it came from us too and us being really determined you know, athletes and wanting the most and being the best. So we had, it was like half his expectations, but half our expectations too, because I think we really wanted it as just as much. But sometimes when your parents or your dad wants it for you, it can come off being like, they're just being mean mm-hmm. <laughs> when we're that young. Yeah. Did you talk to your siblings, your brothers about it, especially your your brother that played college football? Did you guys have a bond at all about kind of working through things with the pressures that you felt to succeed? I don't think that we really discussed it or really talked about it until he was in college. Um, because I, I feel like I felt like I already had had my experiences and so we talked about it more in that way. And, and college football is crazy. Like the, the expectations and just from college football being like a money sport compared to softball, that's not as like money driven. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, it was, it was, I think college football is tough. It's, you know, it's do or die. The coaches are, are there. And if they don't perform, they're they're out just like that in a snap of a finger. So I, I think that my experience was a lot different than my youngest brother's. But it, I felt like we bonded a little bit more once he was in college and, and kind of felt like those expect, expectations were a little bit of a struggle, especially when he had to make a decision this last year to um, either play his fifth year or not. That was a really, really difficult decision and time because he felt like he was letting everybody down instead of just making the choice for himself, which is all like a whole childhood and, um, you know, athletic experience just like kind of bubbled up to one point, which can be real. That was, that was really hard. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you were able to be an influence on that decision. Is that correct? 
I like to think so, <laughs> but being uh, older sisters, sometimes I was, uh, they, they don't really want to hear it for me. <laughs> I was like the extra parent, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, I think that I, I, I really did try to be as supportive and like um, just a sister rather than like telling him what to do kind of thing. And I, I hope that that was part of, that gave him some, some peace at the end of his decision, but you never know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, typically when people get that support, then they end up coming from a place of deeper wisdom where if they're making a decision with this constant state of fear, it can cloud making a really good decision. So I'm sure your influence in just being that support really helped. And I think you did experience that with your dad once he started to kind of taper off just a little bit as you got older. Yeah. So Yeah, and I think a, a lot of the parents, they I'm fortunate I'm sure you've heard this before, you've seen research on it that they're wanting to like almost like live through their kids' experiences. Yeah. Um and I think that that's definitely kind of high up there too. Um, with those that kind of combines with that those expectations. Yeah, for sure. Whenever I do a workshop with younger athletes, I always ask them, "Who here feels that they're directly responsible for their parents' happiness?" And everybody raises their hand almost all the time. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's a lot to deal with, you know, because. I think if if children are able to understand that they're responsible for their own happiness and suffering and nobody else outside of their body is Mm -hmm. and that their parents are directly responsible for their own happiness and suffering, then the pressure's off. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all responsible for our our own ways of living. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really love that, actually. Yeah. So, all right. So your dad started kind of tapering off a little bit and how did, how did that change your mentality and your performance in the sport and take off from, from that point into your college career? Yeah. It's, uh, so, you know, he was tapered off and it was more support because I was already super hard on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at that college level just added a whole nother element because everyone is good and it's, more of a challenge and it gets harder at the next level in that college level so (laughs) it started to uh like it was kind of like a balancing act then um so our the parent relationship was good and i didn't of course i always wanted to do well for myself but also to make my my parents proud or my family proud or you know just be that the athlete that's making people proud and like making a you know, you put all this energy and, and work into it. You want the outcome to be the best possible. And my first three years uh, in college, I started as a catcher and defense always came pretty naturally for me. Um, it, that wasn't really a, um, a obstacle, but it was the hitting side of things. And it, that was where I had a lot of like mental breakdown. Um, and it was like that mental struggle for me. I thought it was a physical struggle, but really it was just in between my ears. So my first three years, I really didn't hit very well. I was at the bottom of the lineup. I had a mentality of, you know, if I don't get a hit this, this one at bat down here at the bottom, they're going to pull me 
So that definitely doesn't help <laughs> going into your at that feeling good. Um, and so I stayed down there and it was just, it, it was, it was really frustrating. It was cause I wanted to be that, that top of the lineup hitter. I wanted to, you know, be the, the hero. I wanted to get the hits. I wanted RBIs and these was really wasn't coming and I wasn't getting a ton of at bats because I wasn't performing. Um, so that was my first three years of frustration and lots of tears and anger and wondering, you know, why I was even playing. Um, and then it wasn't until my senior year, we had a coach, uh, like a mental training, mental health coach come in and she was teaching us some different mental training tools. Um, and at first I was like, I don't need this. Like I, I just need to go hit more off the tee or I need to go get more live pitching in whatever it was or work on my form. And that, that still doesn't, it didn't hurt because I was doing that for the past three, three years. And it wasn't until I really started finally buying into like, let's just work on my brain and work on what I'm thinking about. Um, and, and listening to her, like, what do I have to lose? It's my senior year. I just want to have fun and enjoy my last year. So I kind of had that like senior mindset, not in a give up way, but like a, like, why am I like, why am I like trying to kill myself over here? Like, why don't I just have fun? Whatever happens, happens. And just, you know, ride out <laughs> to the sunset my senior year. So I had that kind of mentality. I was working on um, different mental training skills like visualization and just what I was switching, how I was thinking and, and how I was overcoming failure, which is really hard, um, especially when your whole life you're beating yourself up after errors or strikeouts or whatever that is. Um, started really like working on that and focusing on that. And I ended up doubling my batting average my senior year. Oh, wow. <laughs> so awesome. I had probably, I, I don't remember the at, at the uh, amount of at-bats that I had, but it was way more than I had my first three years. And I doubled the batting average. I was having fun. I was actually enjoying myself. And yeah, so I was like, whoa, it was like, this stuff works. Like this stuff, this mental training stuff really works. And I wish that I would have focused on this a lot more because um, now I'm done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had one year, I was like, man, I finally peaked and now it's over. And it's funny because I always tell my mom, sorry. I'm like, sorry, I didn't listen to you because she's like telling me all this stuff for a long time, but I just mm -hmm. didn't want to hear it from a parent. Yeah, of course. Um, which I'm sure you get a lot with <laughs> the parent, the parent kid um, situation. So yeah, that was, I mean, it was game changer for me. And um, that's what led me to where I am now. Cause I was, I, after seeing that and understanding what the mental game can do, it's like, I have to teach girls this at a much earlier age. Like they have to know this so that they can like bust through their barriers and play to their potential, like way above what I experienced. Um, so that's kind of where it, where it led me to. And I'm like, man, if I, but if I didn't suck those first three years or go through the experiences with my parents and my dad and the expectations and all of the things that we've talked about today, I would have never been in my position now where I get to mentor girl athletes. 
on the mental side of the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's very similar to my story as well as to why I, I got into coaching soccer. So I, I think that's amazing that you're trying to give back the lessons that you learned to help people. You know, the world needs more people like that. So I applaud you. Thank you. And you were playing at, you haven't mentioned it yet, but you're playing at, at a pretty big school and a very big conference. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I um, played at Northwestern University, um, just out of Chicago in the Big Ten. Um, yeah. And I mean, we were a very competitive softball program um, all four years. We got to, we made it to the regional tournament two out of my four years. Uh, never made it past regionals. Oh, but <laughs> but I got to have that experience even at that point. I mean, my dream growing up was to play in the World Series, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I'll get to coach girls who make it to the World Series, and that'll that'll be my my fulfillment there. <laughs> awesome, that's a great mentality to have. Um, yeah, what what was the jump like for you from col- uh, high school to college? Like, what was the major differences that you felt playing at a youth level versus a collegiate level? Yeah. So I had kind of a unique experience. I don't know how much you know about the college recruiting in softball, but it happens pretty early. Um, there's a lot of girls that are, you know, verbally committing and committing their early high school years. Um, and I didn't have any of those until about my late junior senior year and I had one offer my junior year and I went on a visit to South Carolina um and I just wasn't sure I didn't know if that was like the place for me um and I was kind of hoping that more opportunities would come up and it wasn't (laughs) until my my spring year uh, spring season of my senior year which is very, very late to not be committed anywhere. And that was also a lot of added stress and pressure mm-hmm. <laughs> as an athlete, a high school athlete, a teenage girl athlete to be super <laughs> specific. And it wasn't until then I had um, an opportunity uh, to play in front of the Northwestern coaches. And she came out and um just liked what she saw and I went out on a visit and I knew right when I went on my visit that was the place for me that's where I felt like I belonged and it really clicked um it was a lot different than my first visit not to say that South Carolina is an amazing school it just it Northwestern just felt like the right place for me um so I finally committed my senior year and um, I was a late recruit so the rest of my class had already been recruited there and so going into that was like a lot of pressure and unknowns right from the beginning because I, I mean, I, I was definitely not promised playing time. I was this late recruit. I kind of felt like, you know, the runt of the yeah. litter. Um, and I mean, the, what I got to learn from that experience was I just had to work my butt off and prove myself. And that seemed to work out because I ended up getting the starting position as a catcher my my freshman year and they had never had a starting freshman catcher so that was a pretty cool accomplishment for me um but that I mean 
the hitting and the leveling up and the hitting was that was that was hard and we we covered all of that but I think that was the most challenging piece mm-hmm. um also just academically I was I've always been pretty academically sound um and then going to a a very high academic school mm-hmm. uh private school I mean that was that was some adjustment for me I got, I got my my freshman year I got my first C ever in my life and I thought my I thought my life was coming to an end, (laughs) (laughs) but it's all right. I figured it out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, the academics and just like a change and with, I mean, softball practically being a full-time job with the academics, you just had to learn and figure it out and learn and figure it out. And, you know, it it all ended up working out in the end. So that's good. And yeah, from my experience with the college athletes that, if it's a good school, they they find ways to support you academically. So there's no shortage. And I imagine a school like Northwestern probably had the same experience with tutors and study halls. Yes. And I, it, anyone listening that is going into college, making that transition from high school to college, my like biggest piece of advice uh, making that transition is use the resources that are given to you, that are available to you. Because... I'm not sure how I would have ever made it through my college experience without those tutors. And I kind of wish I could tell them that now. I don't really know (laughs) know where they are, but they were like a godsend and so incredibly helpful because you do have limited time um, and you have to use your time wisely. So having those tutors to like kind of expedite the process of learning for me was was so crucial and so the the tutors but also I got to work with a sports psychologist and I wish that I would have worked with the sports psychologist a lot more um I wish I would have taken advantage of that way more than I did um because I think that that was incredibly helpful and um I was something I really needed um think of the other resources and just like taking care of your body Mm. using um you know the staff on the athletic department to make sure you're taking care of your body and keep staying healthy and putting in that work because that goes a long way. I saw a lot of people get injuries and that can be pretty soul crushing. So just Mm -hmm. taking care of your body as best that you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a big thing about young people is that they view things like having to use a tutor almost as like sense of failure Ah. instead of something that'll help them like going into the weight room or, you know, running extra or or the nutritional aspect, like you spoke about. If you use these things to your advantage, they're so beneficial. Yeah. I mean, if we could just get over ourselves and (laughs) be okay with asking for help and like that's normal and actually it's going to only make you more successful when you ask for help and outside resources, it's going to take you so much further. I mean, the other thing that I wish that I would have done more and that I encourage girls to, um, to do, uh, when they're even in high school is ask questions, like ask, the people, if you're on a recruiting trip, ask so, like all of the questions, ask the girls who are on the team, you know, what their experience is like, what is it like to, you know, play for this coach, um, or even like alumni, 
you know, I, when I was looking for what I wanted to do right after, which took about four or five years to kind of figure out which direction I was going, um, I wish that I would have asked and like just shadowed more alumni, um, especially the ones that I thought were doing really cool things or were in a job that I could see myself in. I wish that I would have just reached out more and asked for more help um, and got more insight from them because they've already experienced it. Like getting in like input from someone that has experience and has experienced things is just, it's like, it's priceless. Nice. Um, so just that reaching out and asking for help. I, I guess it's funny because I get a ton of parents that are like, interested in my mental training program and they're like well i don't know what my daughter is going to think i don't want her to think that she needs help <laughs> and i'm like okay so let's like talk about how to to bring this up to your daughter in a way that's going to get them excited and like my mental training program is for elite athletes that want to be better they want to go to the next level they want to be better than the other girls on that field basically like mm -hmm. this is an up leveling experience it's like kind of like a mastermind <laughs> for teen mm -hmm. girls mm -hmm. um so I, I try to put it in that perspective because it's, even with like therapy or if you're going to see like a um like a therapist or a counselor people think like oh like i'm broken or i i'm not doing well or you know whatever i i I suck at life, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's really not that. Honestly, I think everybody could use a therapist yeah, or a counselor sure. or a no, mentor absolutely. in their life. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of have to get over ourselves a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we have no problem if we break a bone going to a doctor. You know, that's socially acceptable. Yeah. But, yeah, we have this this idea that getting help for your emotional part is not okay. And, and that, it and like that, makes you weak yeah. or something. Yeah. And that's completely false. And, you know, and you could see it even with yourself as an athlete, you know, if, if, you know, the way you're describing your confidence level, if you're still able to go to a school like Northwestern with kind of lower confidence and it just shows how, good you were physically with your tools with your your technical tools with softball but then once you enhanced your mental abilities boom then you're all of a sudden double right your it was like average. full picture <laughs> yep for like, sure oh my gosh like this is what it feels like to be like confident and like real confidence i always say that I'm like um with the girls I'm like have you ever had like a coach or a parent tell you, you know, just go out there and believe in yourself or just go out there and uh, have confidence, <laughs> especially after like you just struck out or made an error, like, I don't know, shot in the wrong goal as a soccer player or yeah. something. Um, I, like, I'm like, have you ever heard that before? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, definitely heard that. I'm like, okay. And are you thinking, okay, that's great. But like, how how do I have confidence, especially mm -hmm. when I don't feel confident at all? So mm -hmm. I, that's the best way I can explain like what I'm doing is I'm teaching these girls how to create confidence through themselves. Mm -hmm. So how are you doing that? You know, go into a little bit more depth on how you're doing that. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind sharing your secrets here. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, we talk a lot about visualizing um, and you can call it manifesting. You can call it meditation. Um, I like to call it visualizing with the girls. It's something that they really grasp well. 
so visualizing just simply like your success, like seeing yourself succeeding, whether that's getting a hit or hitting a home run or as a volleyball player, you know, uh, getting those kills or, you know, digging those hard uh, passes or, you know, serve, receive, um, I'm trying to think of some other sports, um, basketball, like seeing yourself making those free throw shots or, you know, ball handling, whatever skill you can visualize yourself succeeding in and putting yourself in those, those pressure situations. So, you know, runners on, two outs, you're up to bat, like you have an opportunity to get this RBI. And those are situations that I was like, oh my gosh, like make, I would just want to throw up, like put someone else in. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm teaching them how to visualize and put themselves in those situations before they're even there physically. And um, the cool thing about visualization is you, your, your brain is tr- basically tricking you into thinking that you actually physically did that when you visualize something. Mm-hmm. So you're getting like extra reps in. So I'm like, why wouldn't you visualize? <laughs> you can do it at home. You don't even have to go outside in the heat or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just visualize yourself. I mean, yes, you have to practice too. It's a combination. But yeah. um, so visualization is a huge piece um, to my mentorship and the mental training with the girls. Um, the other thing that we work on heavily is just the shift in mindset of how we're thinking and talking to ourselves. So it starts off with the first step is um, just being aware of your thoughts and what you're saying to yourself, because sometimes we're not even, we're not even like thinking like, wow, this is really detrimental to uh, my performance, the way that I'm thinking and ta- talking to myself. So that's the first step. And then we go into changing and, and making the changes. So, okay, now I know that I'm like, oh, shoot, like I just made an error and I'm telling myself crappy things. Like this is the moment where I need to figure out how to make that switch. So we um, actually practice a lot of written practice on positive self-talk. So anything from affirmations, like the I am, like strong, powerful, confident, like I am statements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we do, I do, I call it an opinions exercise where we get rid of our own negative opinions or other people's opinions of us and we cross them out and then rewrite what we actually believe in ourselves. Um, or maybe if we don't believe it yet, we write it down so that we are telling ourselves over and over. So we do believe in ourselves after practicing. Um, another one that we do. Um, oh, I love, I, this is one of my favorite activities is writing a love letter to yourself. <laughs> because as athletes, we're so focused on what we're not good at or what our weaknesses are, what we have to get better at. And we kind of forget to talk about all the things that we are good at and the things that we do love about ourselves. So that's, it's a really powerful activity to just write a love letter to yourself. Just Mm -hmm. like if you to write like a letter to a friend expressing how much you love them or like them. So that's some different ways that we practice building confidence from ourselves instead of relying on coaches or parents or outside sources. Yeah. Those outside sources. So yeah, I, that you transitioned very well into my next question that came up. Those outside sources. So you're dealing with these, these athletes and I imagine 
just like you did, they're experiencing a lot of pressure from parents. Mm-hmm. So, so what are some common themes that you're seeing happening in the, the girls that you're working with, with their parents? Um, so very similar stuff to what I experienced is like those conversations after the game and how the parent <laughs> may, they think they're helping, but they're really just making it worse in the moment. So that's actually the, the post that I just sent out recently was all about how to have those conversations after a bad day. And it was like one of my most popular things. So apparently I need to be speaking to the parents more. Um, but it was along the lines of just like setting boundaries for the parent and as an athlete, extending those boundaries. And I, I tell the girls and I help them walk through the conversation of, you know, having that adult grown up conversation with your mom or dad or whoever it is after the game and being like, Hey, like, and this is like not right after the crying or the, the argument or whatever in a separate time and space, but just being like, you know, I, I love you. I respect you. I like appreciate that you are taking me all, all these games, all these practices. I always tell them they really appreciate it. I love them because it's going to make the conversation go so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, after a tough game or just a game in general, can we just not talk about softball or volleyball or basketball or whatever it is? Can we just not talk about it for, and they can pick, you know, 12 hours or a whole day or 24 hours. And then we can come back and talk about it. I, I'm doing this because, or I want this because I need space to figure this out on my own and work through this on my own because I'm working on my mindset and I'm not in the right state of mind to talk about it until this this time where I can kind of clear out the bad energy I guess you could say um and then when we come together but I'm like always like you have to talk to them because parents want to talk about you they want to talk about the sports it's just they love you like they want to talk about it so let them talk about it at a later time and then your conversation is probably going to go so much better because emotions aren't running crazy and like you guys are both in a good state of mind um, where you actually accomplish something during the conversation instead. Mm -hmm. I tell the parents to do it too because they're not emotionally stable after their daughter, you know, totally sucks that day or something. Um, So it's going to help both parties. You're going to have a better relationship. And um, so I call what I call the boundaries. Um, so that's how I, I help the girls yeah. set boundaries with their parents. And I'm like, you got to coach them up too, because they don't know some of this stuff. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Yeah. And I actually, it's funny. I think that's, that's absolutely perfect what you do with the girls and empowering them to set those boundaries. And I had an experience with my daughter. She was a really good water polo player and we were coming home from a tournament and I can't even remember what the situation was, but I felt the best timing for me to get my opinion about her. And I rarely said anything during her sporting journey, but I felt for some reason, I felt right after we got in the car was the best time for me to express something that I had seen. And I was trying to do it at a, in a very calm, 
tone, but she was not having it. And I wasn't respecting that boundary. And we ended up just kind of blowing up at each other. (laughs) And, you know, eventually I apologized for that. But I really learned a lesson in exactly what you're talking about and the timing of things. Yeah. And it's not, it's really not easy because, shoot, I mean, I haven't, I'm not a parent yet, but I could see myself wanting to just like be like, okay, like, what was going on in your head then? Or what happened here? Like, how are we going to fix this? But it's just not the right time and mm-hmm. place for them to hear things. And uh, another really great tip I just recently heard was ask for their permission as a parent. And as if you're a coach, as a coach, ask for their permission to give mm-hmm. feedback. So awesome. being like, hey, like, can we talk about this? Or is that a, like, can I give you some uh, feedback on this? And then that way they feel like, they're in control of you know hearing something or like they get to they get to make the decision whether they're going to talk about it or not i love i really love that tip and i was like oh that's really good yeah that's that's awesome and i imagine if they say no you don't have my permission to not just go ahead and interject anyway and say well i'm going to tell you (laughs) anyway (laughs) yeah and be like okay well maybe we can talk about this later at dinner or whatever yeah that's awesome. So how can people get a hold of you and, and give us your website and exactly what you offer? Yeah, so my you can find all of my information at Paige Tons, P-A-I-G-E, T as in Thomas, O-N as in Nichols, Z as in Zebra, dot com. Um, I have uh, all my men- mental training programs on there. I have all my contact information there. And then, of course, I love to be involved in the social world so i'm on facebook and on instagram i'm pretty sure i'm the only page tons in the world so it's pretty (laughs) easy to find me um but yeah so that's that are those are my like main streams there cool and do you only work with people girls in the phoenix area or do you go and travel or can you do things virtually yeah so i am based here in phoenix and i have girls here locally but I work I work with teams and girls out of state so I work with um, teams and girls all over the country I have some in Missouri some in Texas some in Vegas uh, Chicago so uh, I think I just got one from New York Um, so I work with girls all over and it's all through um, working through like online video calls or um, I work with the girls um, a lot on this app called Marco Polo, which is just a video messaging app. And basically it's kind of like video text. So we do a lot of face-to-face virtually. Hmm. Awesome. So, you know, I always like to wrap up or get to the ending with this question. Uh, so you said you don't have a child just yet. And I know from my experience I had a different mentality of what I'm going to be like as a parent before I had a child. And then after I had a child, things kind of changed. And I felt sometimes my previous mentality may have actually been better than my mentality (laughs) as a parent. So I would like for you to talk to yourself now into the future when your, your son or daughter, they get into competitive sports What's your relation? What do you, what would you say to your future parenting self? Oh gosh. Yeah. It's definitely, I feel like beforehand, it's probably a lot easier before you actually know what it feels like to have your own child. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, that's hard. Um, I would say 
to to my future parent self, I would tell myself to remember everything that I've worked on before and the tips and the things that I'm telling these girls and parents and coaches and remember to use those for myself even when I don't want to and I'm feeling stubborn and um, because it's going to make the best possible relationship and uh, parenting skills down or when that time comes and just to be patient and understanding and a really good listener. <laughs> that's what it's all so about. Right there. The main thing. Yeah, that's beautiful. Awesome. Well, Paige, thanks so much for your time today. I keep up the great work with the girls and, and keep spreading your, your beautiful magic out to everybody. Thank you so much. It was, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, yeah, of course. All right. Look forward to seeing what you do next. So what were your biggest takeaways? There are some things that Paige said in her interview that really stuck with me. So I think it's fitting to dive deeper into them. Now, the word expectations kept coming up and really grabbed onto me. And I looked up the word online and found a definition that says, and this is a quote, a belief that someone will or should achieve something. Now, if we break that down even further, let's look at the words will and should. Will, to me, is almost like a demand, and should is an obligation. So with expectations of a child, it's as if parents demand that a child achieves something and is obligated to do so. Now, that's a lot of pressure, in my opinion. And when there's pressure, it typically is accompanied by what I call contaminated thinking. And if you want to know more about what contaminated thinking means, please go to my episode number five of my podcast, which is called How to Help Your Child Listen to You. And I'm sure you can gather by the name that contaminated thinking isn't very helpful. And it comes from a place of fear, which I like to say is food for the ego. Paige said it herself when it came to the feeling of not meeting her father's expectations that she felt like she was a failure. Now, that's a huge weight on her shoulders that seemed to bear most of her playing career. And it's no wonder to me. Paige said it herself when it came to the feeling of not meeting her father's expectations that she felt that she was a failure. Now, that's a huge weight on her shoulders that she seemed to bear for most of her playing career. And it's no wonder to me that she was hard on herself and couldn't accept failure. Her ego was always under threat of not being good enough. That's not the identity that the ego wants at all. Now, remember from this interview that it wasn't just the verbal expectations that Paige felt pressure from. It was the nonverbal ones as well, if not more. Her dad was a college football player and her grandfather a college and professional football player. And Paige felt that need to succeed athletically because of her family history. I remember the same thing about myself, although it wasn't in athletics, it was in academics. Both my parents have their PhDs and my stepdad had his PhD and, and I had this unusually... I remember the same thing about myself, although it wasn't in athletics, it was in academics. Both my parents have their PhDs, and my stepdad had his PhD, and I had this usually conscious belief that I had to get my PhD because anything else was a failure. Now, luckily, I removed that contaminated thought and belief from my being. It was mostly by realizing that my parents weren't going to be disappointed in me, and 
noticing that they were supportive during my whole academic journey, which was kind of a roller coaster uh, of a ride, especially in my undergrad. So now back to Paige. She said her dad really tapered off in the latter part of her youth softball career, and along with the help of a sports psychologist, she saw a ton of improvement in her batting average. I think she said it either doubled or tripled her batting average, which is amazing. Now, this was not until she was in college, and what it shows to me is how far athletic ability can take someone. It can take someone like Paige to a great school like Northwestern, which is in one of the best conferences in the country, the Big Ten. Now, from what it sounds like, despite her low sense of confidence, she was a good softball player heading into college and a great one by the time she finished. Now, that shows the importance of a strong sense of self-belief, which I personally think is the way we're born to be naturally. When we're not in that strong sense of self-belief, it's only because of our contaminated thinking, which is fear-based, which is the root of the belief system that goes something like, I'm not good enough. You might have experienced that thought within yourself at some point of your life, or maybe you do now even. When a thought like that circulates around your head from time to time or even often, it's difficult to get close to your potential in whatever you're doing, even if you're a high-level athlete. Paige said that she believed she wouldn't have been at the college level without those expectations from her dad, but without ever seeing her play or knowing too much more than you do about her life, I'm going to take a wild stab at that statement and disagree. My hypothesis that cannot either be proven correct or incorrect is that she would have flourished earlier in her career. Now, luckily for many young female athletes, Paige didn't and is now motivated in her life to help others achieve the strong sense of self-belief. And that's the perfection of her journey in sports right there. And it just shows that Everybody's path is perfect. Now, her path led her to serving others, and that's how we're going to survive on this planet. We need more selfless people like her. Now, you can check out Paige's website at pagetons.com. It's P-A-I-G-E-T-O-N-Z, as in zebra, dot com. And I have a link to her website in the episode description on my website, and uh, which is on clearmind.com forward slash podcast. And also, there's an episode description on the episode itself, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Now, as I mentioned in the beginning, remember, I'm always available to work with your group, whether it's players or parents or coaches, and also individually as well. You can always reach me on my website, aclearmind.com, or through my social media. I have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Much love to you and many blessings. Bye.